Let's look here in Genesis 4. Now, I'm going to do something. Uh, if, I'm going to see if y'all pick up on this. So we're going to read several verses. And uh, is Paxton back there? Paxton, you might want to sit up for this, son. There's a now, I'm going to give a starburst if somebody can. He's done hit me up about getting candy after church, so you're going to have to get the answer right here, Paxton. And uh, there's going to be a common theme in these verses we're going to read. I'm going to see if y'all pick it up, pick up on it tonight. And uh, we're going to start in Genesis, and we're going to end up in Revelation. And we're not going to read everything in between, so it may feel like it before the sermon's over. But um, I was telling Brother Justin, I was looking for a little, um, I guess you could say, encouragement or, or comfort. I said, man, I preached too long this morning. He said, yeah, you did. And I said, well, I appreciate you being honest. And uh, <laughs> But anyhow, and uh, but, but anyway, um, so... You know, church members, they keep the preacher humble, and God keeps him holy, and that's the way it's... But I'm just messing with Brother Justin. But let's look at Genesis chapter 4 and verse 7, and we're going to flip through, and I just want you to see if you can pick up on this common phrase or common theme, common word that's in each of these verses. Genesis chapter 4 and verse 7, the Bible says, If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted, and that if thou doest not well, sin... Life at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Now turn to Genesis chapter number 7. Genesis chapter number 7, and uh, verse number 15. And they went in unto Noah, into the ark, two and two of all flesh, wherein is the breath of life. And they that went in, went in male and female of all flesh. And uh, there's a reason there went male and female, because anyhow, I'm not going to get on that. But, but anyway, uh, it. and here it is. I don't want to, I'm trying to throw you off. Here it is. And the Lord shut him in. Now turn over to uh, Exodus chapter number 12. Exodus chapter number 12. Just a few pages over. Exodus chapter 12. I'm trying to find it. Still haven't got this Bible broke in real good. Exodus chapter number 12 and verse number 3. It says, Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month shall they take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. If the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of his souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Uh, for the lamb, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the, of the sheep, from the sheep, or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And here it is. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses wherein they shall eat. Now turn over to Psalms eighty-four. Psalms eighty-four. Psalms 84 and verse number 10. Now, Brother Justin, you can't answer this because I already told you the answer. So uh, you just, I'll give you a now and later or starburst. So, but Psalms 84 and 10, verse 10. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. 
Psalms 84 and verse 10. Now turn to 1 Corinthians chapter number 16. A whole lot of turning, but I promise you we're going to get somewhere here in just a minute. No hinting, no Googling, no checking. Your, just follow along. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse number 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse number 9. For a great door and effectual is open to me, and there are many adversaries. For a great door and effectual is open to me, and there are many adversaries. Now the last place, Revelations chapter 3. We was just there last Sunday night, so you ought to be quick on the draw there. Revelations chapter 3, verse number 20. The Bible says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I'll come into him and will sup with him and he with me. So we've read the verses. Now I want to wonder tonight, does anybody, did anybody catch on to what was something mentioned in all the verses that we read tonight? Let's start with under 18. Did anybody pick up on what was in every verse that we read tonight? Paxton. Doors. You got it, Paxton. Miss Anna, did you cheat? Oh no! I'm gonna have to put. I'm gonna put your his star burst. I'm gonna taste it first. And no, I'm just kidding. Doors. Do you see that? There's every one of these scripture references uh, mention doors, and um, that's something I'm gonna preach on tonight. And uh, I had a whole list of jokes I was gonna tell, but based on how things went this morning, I figured I better say them. But I'm gonna preach tonight on a, a thought on not not who's there. And we're going to look at each one of these doors, and we're going to find there's different things in these doors. You know, the Bible is an amazing book, and you can just take the simplest thing. Uh, windows is one, uh, something you can look at throughout the Bible. And uh, just, just common things that you find throughout the Bible, and they mean different. In different places of the Bible, they teach different truths. And this doors uh, is something we read about throughout the Bible. Everyone in here has used the door today. I know you did because I saw you come in. You know, a door, I, I wrote this door down. Doors are very common things. They're something we use uh, every day, but how many of you stopped this morning when you got out, walked out the door, out the door of your house and stopped and said, I really appreciate that door? Now, would it have been hard for you to get here if it wasn't for doors? Would, uh, now, would, I've been interested to see Brother Justin trying to get in his truck through the window. And then try to, how would we get in the, you understand? So doors are something that we use every day, but we rarely ever appreciate. Uh, think about what a mess it would be if all of a sudden all the doors were gone. And then I, I put this, doors are both an exit and an entrance. They allow us to go both go in and to go out. Doors are used to keep the wrong things out and to keep the right things in. And uh, we know Jesus said that He is a door. And we know that He is the way to go into salvation, to go into eternal life. And then He said that once you've come in, that you can go in and out uh, and find pasture. And so I want to talk about this. And we'll look in Genesis 4 and verse number 7. The Bible says this. Again, this is not how I, I just fear I changed things up a little bit tonight. Might as well try. Um, but anyway, the Bible says this in verse 7. If thou doest well... Shalt thou not be accepted, and if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. We know this is talking about Cain and where 
Cain had killed his brother Abel, and I'm not going to go into that for the sake of time, and, and that's not really the point of this message, but God found out the sin of Cain. And God's never missed sin. He's never one time overlooked it. He's never one time thought, oh, I didn't know they did that. But God found Cain, and he said, where's Abel? And he said, I'm not my brother's keeper. You see, and that's what sin will do. It leads to worse and worse things. But the first thing tonight I'm going to say is that there is sin is at the door. Who's at the door? Sin is at the door. Do you know how Cain got into sin? Here it is. Three things that he got in. He, number one, he ignored the Word of God. He ignored the Word of God. Number two, he ignored the work of Christ. The offering of Abel was not as pretty as the offering of Cain. It wasn't as nice to look upon, but God was not looking for fruit and vegetables. He was looking for blood. And it ignored the work of Christ. Uh, not only that, it ignored the witness of the Spirit. Do you know what it takes to be saved? The Word of God, the work of Christ, and the witness of the Spirit. And listen tonight, all false religion goes back to Cain. Do you know the religion of Cain, it thrives on fear? You don't know why Cain cried and, 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 and wept? Because he was afraid. And do you know that's what, the, that's what all false religions use? They use fear. Did you know the, the religion of Cain, it used force? It used murder? And did you know that across the world, that religion, and I, I say that as saying false religion, has killed more people than all the armies of the world put together. And so we learned that, now follow me, but that what led to sin was ignoring the Word of God, ignoring the work of Christ, and ignoring the witness of the Spirit. And did you know for children of God, if we ignore the Word of God, if we ignore the cross of Jesus Christ, if we ignore the witness of the Spirit, then guess what? Sin will lie at the door of our lives. You say, what's the big deal? Well, we learn in Cain's life that sin did three things. The first thing it did, it hid God's face from him. This is the last time in the Word of God you find that, God, that Cain heard from God. Matthew 5 eight says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Isaiah 59 and verse 2, But your iniquities have separated separate between you and your God, and your sins have hid His face from you that He will not hear. Sin hides God's face. I want you to know tonight that there is no pleasure so great that it's worth losing the ability to see the face of God. And then not only that, but sin hinders fellowship. Sin hindered his fellowship. We never read of Cain building an altar. An altar. We never read of, of Cain offering a prayer. We never read of his family worshiping God with him. Uh, sin will hinder uh, both our upward fellowship and also our outward fellowship. Uh, we know that Cain left and he walked and roamed the earth uh, and, he, and, he, and, and his seed, his, his children that followed him, uh, they're the ones that led to the flood and what happened in Genesis chapter 6. And I'm saying tonight, if sin's at the door, it'll hinder fellowship. Amen. But sin haunted his future. Cain's left a mark on his children. One man said this, the path that we are blazing will be followed one day by somebody else. And tonight, forever, sin lied at the door in Cain's life, and it marked him for all eternity. 
And so, and, and sin at the door. There was a time in, a, in, in this country where sin was something that was, uh, uh, was looked down upon, where sin was something where you went to church, it didn't matter if it was a Baptist church or the Presbyterian church, or, or, or it didn't matter, the Methodist church, they was going to preach about sin and deal with sin. Uh, there was a time where people were embarrassed about sin and ashamed of sin. And, and uh, if they got caught in sin, they would repent of it. They'd get right about it. Uh, I've heard stories uh, from uh, my parents and my uncles about in church where somebody would get caught up in something and they'd come before the church and, uh, and, and ask forgiveness and get it right because there was a, a fear about, them, about sin and the consequences uh, but we're living in a day and time where sin is glamorized and uh, sin is glorified. And uh, I want you to know tonight that sin is killing us, it's killing our churches, it's killing uh, the Spirit of God and, and any, any hope of revival. And if sin's lying at the door in my life, I need to clean the door off. I need to get it right and uh, get it out of the way and get it clean with God. Uh, listen, if you lay it bed at night uh, and there's sin in your heart and sin in your mind, uh, you'd be better off just getting rid of it and getting right with God. Amen. All of us, if you got kids, you know what I'm talking about. They got the, you go out the door and it's like going across the uh, battlefield in, in the jungles of Vietnam. There's shoes. There's toys. That last week, my wife, I don't know how many heard of her accident. She dropped a tent like you take the ball games on her toe. And, and I'm telling you, my wife, she has more of these type things. I mean, she's, I mean, it's just, I, I don't, it's, a, it's amazing how she finds new ways to hurt herself all the time. And, and Brother Dill and I was mowing, and she sent me a picture. And I mean, I about regurgitated. Just, I said, that's awful. And Brother Larry, <laughs> She, bless her heart, she's tough now. I'm telling you, she's tough. Two days later, she guess what she did? She got out and jogged three miles with her toe swelled up that big. I mean, it looks awful. It's terrible. And, and, and we was, she was downstairs trying to clean up after the kids, after the, you know, the, uh, and, and, and she was walking around there, and she picked up one of them little, um, one of them little cars that, that Mace Georgia rides on, you know what I'm talking about? And she dropped it on that toe. And I mean, listen, she didn't, I promise she didn't cuss. She did not. I mean, I salute her for that. I do. But I guarantee you every word there's ever been said went through her mind. She just laid in the forest. But you know what I'm talking about? You go out the door and there's a shoe here and a shoe there and you just go on by it. And then the next time you come in the door, there's four shoes here and four shoes there. And then before long, there's a bag of, of trash sitting there. And if you, what happens if you don't, if you don't get rid of, if you don't clean it up before long, you can't even go out the door. And then what do you do? You start going out the front door. And then you go out the front door and what happens? There's a shoe here and a shoe there. And you know what? Before long, you can't go in and you can't go out and you're trapped because there's all kind of garbage at the door. And it's the same for us. We let little things hang around here and little things hang around there. And if as children of God, we ought to keep a clean record, uh, keep a short account. Y'all remember when I used to have a, a charging accounts at the grocery store and at the at the at the filling station where you can you know what? Uh, you better keep it paid up because that thing gets long, it's gonna hurt. Uh, it's gonna hurt. And listen, uh, uh, Cain let sin light the door and it ruined his legacy. Now look at Genesis 7. <clears throat> Sin's at the door. But in Genesis 7 verse 
16. And they that went in, went in male and female of all flesh as God had commanded him. And the Lord shut him in. And I, 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 I'm not going to, I want to tell you what, what was on the other side of that door. There was a storm at the door. Noah and his family went into that ark and God shut him in. There was just one door in the ark. Just like there's only one door into heaven. And Noah didn't shut the door. God shut the door. And you know when a person gets saved, they don't save themselves. God saves him. Now, I don't believe, Brother Larry, that Noah had one finger on that door. I don't believe Noah had one part in closing that door. God said, come in, and he came in, and God shut him in. I want you to know tonight, I'm going to heaven, and it's, I ain't got one ounce to do with it. I didn't, I didn't have one thing to do with it. The Holy Ghost told me to come, and I came to Jesus. And when I repented of my sin and put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost shut the door. He sealed me in by the Spirit of promise, the spirit of adoption and now we're safe but guess what there was still a storm on the other side of that door yeah. I want you to know tonight that we don't even know what kind of storm might be at the door but how did Noah what did Noah do Noah, Noah was prepared for the storm In Hebrews eleven seven it says by faith Noah being warned of God of things not seen moved with fear prepared an ark you know, Noah didn't start getting ready for the storm when the rain started falling. He spent 120 years preparing for that one storm. And you might come to church Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night and you might read your Bible. I hope you read your Bible at home and spend time in prayer. And there may be weeks and months and years go by and, and, and it seems like you know, you wonder, what is this all for? What is this all about? But I promise you when, the, when you wake up and you open the door and there's cloudy skies and the thunder's rolling and the rain's falling, you're going to say, oh, I thank God that I got ready. I got prepared for the storm in my life. If I were to tell you tonight that tomorrow a tornado was going to hit your house, would you just go to work and just, I mean, would you just leave everything? I mean, well, I mean, I hope that you'd put boards over your windows and, you know, bring your grill in off the back porch and you understand what I'm saying? You'd probably, I'd say there's some steps. You wouldn't leave your new car parked out there in the driveway. You'd pull it in or park it somewhere else. Why? Because you prepare. But I want you to know tonight that there are storms coming to all of our lives. And we need, how did Noah prepare? He prepared by listening to the warning of God. It says being warned of God. The Bible tells us that yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Jesus said in this world, ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. We've been warned warned by the word of God and we should prepare for the storm Noah prepared for the storm Noah was protected in the storm Noah was protected because he stayed in the boat he stayed in the boat too many people they want to jump out when the rain begins to fall that's not the time to get out that's the time to get all farther in he stood on the promises and then he stuck with the plan God told him to go in and it was over a year before he got to come out. And that's that he, for over a year, God didn't say anything to him. He just stuck with what God told him. Noah was protected in the storm. Noah prevailed through the storm. Genesis 8, 1, the Bible says, And God remembered Noah. You know, tonight we can be comforted by this. 
when we find a storm at the door of our life, the same God that remembered Noah is not going to forget us. God, I believe with all my heart, Brother Larry, I believe he watched that boat every second. I believe he guided. You know, there was no steering wheel on the boat. There were no sails. There were no, there was no, there was no, I don't know, like udders, rudders, whatever they call udders. Is that what cows have? Rudders is what drinks a boat. But anyway, same difference, I guess. But anyhow, uh, I guess not. But anyway, there was no steering wheel. There was no captain's seat. You want to know why? Because the unseen hand of God was guiding that ship. I believe that with all my heart. And I believe when that boat went over them high waves and began to go over, I believe God kept it afloat. And listen, I believe through every every uh, every uh, uh, wave and every uh, every uh, wind and all that come against it, I believe the hand of God. And when the water began to come down, I believe it was God that put it on Mount Ararat. I believe that was with all my heart. I believe it was God that guided his vessel. And I want you to know tonight, whenever we make it home, and when we make it to home, when we get there one day, and we land on heaven's bright shore, it's going to be because of the unseen hand of God that got us there. There was a storm at the door. Look at Exodus 12. We're moving along. A lot of these stories you're familiar with. It doesn't hurt though to look at it kind of in a different light. Verse number 7, They shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door post of the houses wherein they shall eat it. We see there's a sacrifice at the door here. God told Moses, He said, Go tell the people. Go tell them they need to, offer, they need to take a lamb, a firstborn without blemish, without spot, and kill it. And then He said, Take the blood and put it on the door post and on the lintel. And later on he said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. And brother later, them Hebrew children, they had never heard of this before. They had never done this before. But you know what they done? They acted by faith. And they said, God said, do it and we're going to do it. And you know, that was that firstborn lamb was precious to them. It was something valuable to them. And they took it out there and they cut his throat and they took the blood and they went with the hyssop and they put it on the doorposts and, the, and, the, and on the lentils. And that night the death angel passed over Egypt and everyone that was behind the blood was saved. The blood was supplied by a lamb. The blood was applied. If you read it, and I'm not going to read it for the sake of time, but in verse 3 it talks about a lamb. In verse 3 he says, every man a lamb. A lamb for a house. And then verse 4, and if the household be little for the lamb. And then verse number 5, your lamb. Do you know that's what happens? When, when a person gets saved, they go from Jesus being a Savior and it goes from him being the Savior. There's a lot of people who believe Jesus is a Savior, but they're going to hell. They're, you know, they won't say he's a Savior, but so is Mary, and so is the Pope, and so is the priest, so is the Catholic Church. They want to say, they, they want to add all this thing. They want to say he is a Savior. Then there's some, they'll say he's the Savior. There's a lot of people in Graves County, Kentucky, that, were, that grew up in churches and they heard the gospel, and they know that Jesus is the only way. They know that he's the only, uh, uh, the only hope for heaven, but yet the blood's still not there. The only ones that got through and got in and were saved that night were the ones who, who made that lamb their lamb. Our personal lamb. Your lamb. Uh, listen, I was raised in church my whole life. I 
knew that Jesus was a lamb. But I didn't know. I knew he was the lamb of God. I remember going to public school in, in eighth grade and, and we had a science teacher named Mr. Harney. And we had fun with him. We really did. I think he retired after that year. Uh, uh, anyhow, uh, we gave him grief. I mean, and he deserved it. He was a God-denying, evolution-loving. And if he's watching tonight, I want him to know you're just as wrong tonight as you were when I was in eighth grade about all that. And I was not, I wasn't even saved. But he got up and started talking about evolution. And, and I just raised my hand and said, hey, uh, you know that's a theory, right? He'd look, that's a theory. Well, yeah, he'd go on. Then he'd start talking about something. He'd say something about the tadpoles and the tail and all that. And I just sit back there and go, <laughs> I just start laughing at him. Everybody just look. I tormented him. But you know what? You know why? Because I was raised to know that that was a lie. And I was raised to know that in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. But I want you to know, I was lost and on my way to hell. But I knew Jesus was the Lamb. But on December 31st, 1998, at an old-fashioned altar, it wasn't Jackie Martin's Lamb. It wasn't Mary Martin's Lamb. It became James Martin's Lamb. And when I bowed and when I nailed, the blood fell, and He became my Savior. Is there a sacrifice at your door tonight? A lot of people like to decorate the door of their life with all types of good works and good deeds and good things, but God's not looking for all that. He's looking for the blood. Look in Psalms 84, verse 10. Psalms 84 and verse 10, For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents to wickedness. We see here there's a servant at the door. In the temple, to be a doorkeeper was the lowest job. But David said, I'd rather do that as dwell in the tents of wickedness. Did you know tonight that there needs to be a servant at the door? I mean, listen tonight, everybody wants the jobs and the positions and the titles and the, they want all that that can be seen and, and can be recognized. But I want you to know that there's just as much reward tonight for the doorkeeper in the house of God as there is for the one that preaches the message or sings the song. Uh, listen, I say tonight that uh, we've, we've made it. We've, we, uh, when I say we, I'm talking about preachers and churches. Uh, we've almost glorified and glamorized certain places in the church and certain titles in the church like uh, assistant pastor or that's Miss Chris but anyhow or I'm just kidding I'm not even trying to insult you or co-pastor that's the one she preferred but anyhow no I'm just kidding I picked on her enough tonight uh, but, but you understand pastor and I'm not trying to uh, 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 make light of the office of pastor or deacon. But I want you to know, being a doorkeeper in the house of God is a good job. Amen? Uh, that, I want you to know that those doorkeepers have done just as much to help churches and change lives as the pulpit keepers and the piano keepers and the choir keepers. The doorkeeper has got a good job if nobody opens the door for people to come in. How do they get in? Servants have to do that though. Because when you open the door, a doorkeeper, what they do is they open the door and they let somebody else go in ahead of them. Most people can't be a doorkeeper because they always got to be first in line. 
They always got to be number one. They always got to be the, the seen and heard and looked at. But that David said you'd be better off. I'm, what I'm saying is tonight, you show me somebody that's in church and they don't want to be seen or heard and they don't ask for any recognition or reward or any type of glory or any pat on the back and they just faithfully do if it's keeping the door, if it's filling the water cup, if it's cleaning the floors, if it's, if it's, if it's just welcoming visitors' hands. You know that if you just make people feel welcome when they come to church and, and tell them hello and tell them your name and, and, and ask them if they need anything, that you might be the person that opens the door for them uh, to get saved, to get right with God, to get in church. I'm saying tonight uh, that I wouldn't trade a doorkeeper in the house of God uh, for a thousand presidents and kings in the tents of the wicked. David said, let somebody be a doorkeeper. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 16. We're nearing the end. First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9. So, we said there was sin at the door. We said there was a storm at the door. A sacrifice, a servant. Verse six, chapter 16, verse 9. For a great door. And effectual was open unto me. And there are many adversaries. We see here that, that Satan's at the door. You say, what do you mean, Brother Martin? Every, all the adversaries come from the adversary. Our, our, our adversary, the devil. And Paul said there's a great door and effectual. And he didn't say, but there are many adversaries. He said, and. That's a conjunction, I believe, Miss Kim. Is that true? She's retired, but she ain't forgot everything she, she learned. So what that tells me is, for, with every open door, there's going to be adversaries with it. Y'all see that? I want you to know tonight that the devil's not going to allow us to go through these great doors that God's opened without some adversaries trying to keep us from going through those doors. Think about the presence of adversaries. Wherever God has ministers, so does Satan. You can believe that. You say, oh, I'm not a preacher. Well, that word minister means servant. And... If you're saved, you're a servant of Jesus Christ. And I promise you, you've got adversaries. And they don't mind as long as we're willing to stay where we are and doing what we're doing and being what we're being. But whenever God opens a great door and we say, we're going to go through it, we're going to go through it, we're going to walk through it, then that's when they rise up, Paul said. The Lord's opened a great door. But did you know you can look at the life of Paul and everywhere he went, every door got opened. There were not one, not two, but multiple people and problems and adversaries everywhere he turned. The presence of adversaries. The plurality. He said there's many adversaries. Why is that? Have you ever noticed that when the devil attacks and when problems come, it's rarely just one thing? It's always this and this and this and this. Listen to what David said in Psalms 118, 12. They compassed me about like bees. You ever got into a bee's nest, a hornet's nest? You ever got in the middle of one of them? And when you get in them, what happens? They're coming at you from every direction. Don't they, Brother Dylan? Amen. 
especially them sweat bees. A couple weeks ago, we were mowing, and I was watching Dylan, and I kind of keep my eye on him. He don't think I watch him, but I watch him pretty close because I got to. He's riding on a ten, eleven thousand dollar lawnmower. I'm watching what he's doing. He's going down through there, and he's jumping, he's jumping and jiving. I'm thinking, what's he listening to on them AirPods? You know, I'm thinking he's gonna listen to some of that rap, something like that. And he was swinging, and I thought, man, either that or he's getting in the holy. I don't know what's going on. And he was doing this and doing that. I thought, now I'm thinking maybe he's having a stroke or something. And and he had on this bright yellow, you know what I'm talking about, one of them bright safety yellow shirts. And them sweat bees were just, just sticking to them. I mean, they was just coming at them from every direction. And you know, that's the way troubles are sometimes. That they just come from here and they come from there. And, and, and they come from anywhere. Why is that? Why, have you ever thought about that? Because, and by the way, when the devil tempted Christ, it wasn't one thing he tempted with. It was three things. Why is that? I believe it's because this Satan seeks to overwhelm us with trouble. And what's the purpose of adversaries? Why does he do that? To keep us from going through the door of God's will for our lives. The devil has seen this over and over again. Y'all know that? And Brother Larry, the devil knows what happens when God's children surrender to his will and go through that door. He knows that on the other side of that door, great things are accomplished. Souls are saved, lives are changed, differences are made. And so if he can keep me on this side, if he can keep me from going through, then he's won. Satan's at the door. Then look in Revelations 3.20. I bet, I don't bet, but I would think that most people know what this is. But I'll say it nonetheless. Verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I'll come into him and sup with him and heal me. We see the Savior's at the door. The Savior's at the door. We see there's a plea that must be heard. He said, I knock. I knock. Have you ever just ignored somebody knocking at the door? Ringing the doorbell? You live in a parsonage, you'll get real good about that. We've done got signals and code words. Amen. Isn't that right, Ginger? Hi! Oh! They just crawl around. We tiptoe around. Turn make sure the lights are off. We'll, we'll just get on our backs and shimmy under the, the windows so nobody can see us. And, and then, then we hear the door shut. Like, All right, everybody back to normal. But anyhow, <laughs> I'm just kidding, you know. Kidding, I'm joking. But kind of. But you know, a lot of times that's the way we treat Jesus. He knocks and we just turn off the lights. Maybe he don't know we're in here. <laughs> don't you know that's foolish? And he, and he calls and we just act like we don't. Oh, the TV's so loud I can't hear but the truth of the matter is, there's a plea that must be heard. There's a promise that we must, uh, to which we must, must be held. He said, I will. He said, I will come into Him. He said, I will. And believe me tonight, when Jesus says, I will, He will. When my kids were younger, when I, when Ginger, she was the guinea pig for all parenting for us. And a lot of times I, I tell her, I'll do it. I promise you. If I tell you I'll do it, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. But Brother Larry, the older I've got, I've learned to tell him I'll do my best to do it. Because nothing hurts worse than you saying I'll do it and then something happens and you can't. And they say, Daddy, you said you would. But I'm glad the Lord Jesus has never had to look at me and say, well, I couldn't do it because of this, or I could. But every time he says, I will, he has. And there's a presence that must be had. He said, I'll come in to him and sup with him, and he with me. Satan's Savior's at the door. Why do we want to eat without him at the table? Why do we want to live 
without Him in our presence, in our company. Who's there? I want tonight, and we're going to close out the service. Um, I wonder tonight, is there sin at the door? Sin, sin. When sin's at the door, nothing's going to be right. Nothing's going to be right. Brother Larry and I was talking this morning. He was telling about his salvation and his testimony. And, and, and Brother Larry spoke about, and I told him about the, one of the great comforts and one assurance salvation is when you sin, there's chastisement. But you know that if you ignore, if you ignore that voice, it gets quieter and quieter and quieter. Sin's at the door.